And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And friends, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers can be difficult, but Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, and they have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io or visit the show notes to check out the link to learn more. All right, friends. So I have told you, listeners, that I do pre-show prep before we even hop into the recording. And I love it. I love getting to talk to the founders, getting to know them a little bit. But today we have with us a guest that we have already found some commonalities. We have already kind of bonded. I am so, so psyched to welcome to the show Megan Bohan, CEO and owner of Tri International Incorporated and Chemblend of America LLC. Meg, welcome to the show. Hey, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and crack right into it. I, I'm so excited because I, I, I have to be honest. I don't really know what conversation we're about to have, but I guess we're about to find out. Uh, so, so tell us about your journey, Meg. Absolutely. I think that um, it's probably best. I think sort of maybe the most meaningful contribution I could make uh, just in life and in general is to start at the beginning. Um, and that's because uh, I have kind of an interesting journey. And it's my hope that by sharing it with people, other people who find themselves at what I want to call the interesting places or even, frankly, the dark places, um, know that that's a really great place to start. So I was born in small town Iowa and raised there. Um, and uh, it's a really great place to be from in a lot of ways. Um, and in a lot of ways, it's sort of tough. And in my personal case, um, my my background and my my upbringing was marked by a lot of poverty, um, a lot of insecurities about my future. Um, there's definitely uh, a glimpse of trauma in that story and just uh, sort of all of the things that um, poverty in particular brings to a person. Um, and I think the most important part about that is that that marks sort of a start of a journey that maybe isn't imbued with confidence right away or frankly, a guiding person or a guiding example of how to move forward out of that. And so um, that's how my story starts. And um, there are a lot of things that that happen in all of that. But suffice to say, I, I found myself um, encouraged by a variety of people in my young life, uh, encouraging me to go to college which um, at that time was something that felt sort of out of reach for me, frankly. And, and um, with the help of mentors who showed me how to apply for Pell Grants and, and scholarships and all of that kind of stuff, I ended up starting college. Interestingly, I, uh, I wasted the opportunity a little bit on 
uh, just sort of not taking myself too seriously. And frankly, I think now, you know, that I've aged considerably since that time, I, I look back in my life and I think um, I probably didn't have skills to cope and deal with a lot of the life experiences I had. Um, and my way of dealing with that was to use drugs and alcohol uh, to excess. And uh, so my in my first uh, college experience, I was uh, politely requested to no longer continue at that educational institution. But you're like, you're <laughs> that in a very diplomatic sort of way. <laughs> and that's lovely. <laughs> but no, they kicked me out. Yeah, there you go. They kicked your ass out. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's what happens when you're on academic probation for too long and you don't yeah. really particularly care. So my story sort of doesn't start there, but um, that's a pretty oh, defining moment. It totally does. And I, so, so friends, I have to tell you, uh, you know, as Meg was, we were kind of talking about this on the, on the front end a, a little bit, like we touched on it. Here's the thing. Your, your experience actually very much uh, mirrors, or I guess my experience mirrors yours uh, in that I, you know, trauma and lots of weird, crazy, terrible things happening in my youth that left me with very few cognitive coping mechanisms, as we like to call them. Yeah. And, and, and I also I tur I started self-medicating and I, I turned to drugs. Um, alcohol was never really my thing. Uh, but I, I ended up leaving college. I think I told you I had a nervous breakdown and, uh, went through a very harrowing and scary few years after that, which ultimately culminated in me going through uh, inpatient rehab. And, and here's the thing today, like I look at myself, I, and I'm wondering if you feel this way as well, but like, I look at myself and I look at myself then. And I don't necessarily think that my 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 story started there. It actually started many, many years before. But that being said, that experience, that that time period in my life, it has informed my entire adulthood. It has informed everything that I have done. I, I wrote a paper not too long ago about the fact that like one of my struggles was the fact that I have I've spent almost my entire adult life trying to make up for the first oh. three or four years of it you know yes 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 <laughs> well and so, so I, really quickly i'm gonna redirect this because i do just want to like i want to point out that the entrepreneurs that you see like people look at me today and they're like hey that's a successful lady and meg i bet they do yeah. that to you too but sure. i love being able to help people change their perception of what drug and chemical abuse can look like what trauma can look like you know we busted our asses to get where we're at from where we were yes. that being said we every anybody can do this with the right supports and the right tools and the right resources and so, so talk to us a little bit about that i know i'm going off on a tangent i just got like as you were talking yeah. i was like smiling and i was i couldn't wait to to respond so now i'm gonna mm, be quiet talk to me about how you feel about your place in the journey I have to say um, everything you've just said resonates a thousand percent. And it's very interesting because I look at that period of my life after I was kicked out of college. I call it two to three years. Candidly, I don't remember it all that well uh, <laughs> because it was a super dark place. Yeah. But it wasn't until even a few years ago where I learned to start forgiving myself for that time and place and to start saying that that is not actually who I am. 
it never was who I am. Um, I think it can be really tempting for anybody who's gone to, you know, some some programs call it rock bottom. Some people just call it the dark place. And whatever your language is for that, it can be so tempting for us to think that that place defines us and that everything we do is just trying to climb out of that hole. And I spent a lot of time chasing things that were not for me because yeah. I was trying to call, climb out of that hole for myself, not for anyone else, but for myself. And when I finally got myself to a place where I was saying, okay, that is not actually who I ever was. That yeah. was the result of experiences. And you made an excellent point, like cognitive coping skills, like a lack thereof. Yeah. Like had I had those skills, I wouldn't have been that person. Therefore, it's not intrinsically yeah. who I am. So I don't know if that answers your question. No. I, something you said just does. like hit that point. I know. And anytime I talk to somebody with a similar journey, it's like it, there, there, there's actually, I'm going to tell you this, listeners, like there's a conflicting feeling about it because it's like, I don't necessarily like to think about that time in my life. But that being said, I think it's important to think about that time in my life to reflect on it and be like, hey, you know, you came this far. There's no going back. That's no longer an option. Um, so, so one of the things that, you know, we just talked about and, and, and one of the things that I think is so important is like those co those coping mechanisms. You know, if you were born into poverty, if you were born into environments that were fraught with tension and trauma and bad experiences, you probably didn't learn how to handle you. And by that, I mean who you are, how you show up and how you process the world around you. So maybe you don't know how to handle anger. Maybe you don't know how to handle sadness. Um, nobody ever taught you. Nobody ever showed you these healthy ways of moving forward. And so talk to us about that piece of your journey. Like what, what precipitated the change and then what kind of helped carry you through? Yeah, there's a lot of what I would say precipitating factors, but one of my favorites is the most ordinary. So I really, really, really love a farmer's market. And I, it's just a thing. I, I think they're just cool, They're awesome. Right? Do you yeah. feel like Don Corleone walking around with your large? Yes. Office? I think I'll take three tomatoes today. <laughs> yes. And yeah. all the finest organics will do. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, so I had this story that I loved the farmer's market, which was a true story for myself. And I, I knew that about myself. But every Saturday morning, I was always like too hungover or spun out to go. And so I never went to the farmer's market. And one of the first pieces of awareness, like I, I know it sounds like crazy and small and insignificant, is like, how can I be a person that knows that this is something I like and enjoy, but I very rarely get there? Why am I not getting there? And so in a, in a larger sense, every forward step I've ever made in my life has been because of moments where I realized there's something I know about who I am that maybe only I know. And it's so important for the listeners to understand that it might be something only you know. Yeah. But I knew that about myself. And then I thought, okay, what do I need to do to be a person who makes it to the farmer's market? Because where I was, they were on Saturday mornings from like nine to one. Well, if you're sleeping till two, you will not be there. Right. right. And, um, and I, that's sort of how that started. I also was in a position where, um, my now wife, who's incredible, but she just looked at me and said, like, I'm just not riding this ride with you. Like, you're going to have to get help. She's actually the first person uh, she to really lay it on the line with me like that. She drove me to my first AA meeting. 
and I haven't had a drink or any consciousness altering substance since. Great. How long has it been, if you don't mind my asking? Yeah, it's been 12 and the... I'll be I'll be 13 years on October. Okay. Uh, and yeah, so I'm at, I'm at 17. Um, Amazing. Good for you. Actually, I went to my first NA meeting on uh, my 23rd birthday, actually. Love that. But really quickly, I just want to take a moment to honor and acknowledge what you just shared. That's incredible. Well done. Thank you. Listeners Thank you. At home, I am inviting you to clap your damn hands because that's huge. So, so sorry. I just wanted to take a moment, but continue. <laughs> no, congrats to you, too. I mean, I, I think it's exceptional anytime somebody does that. But I think if you are a person who's ever had that experience, you know that that moment where you walk into that first meeting at the first time or whatever your journey is to get you there, like it feels like something insanely difficult and insanely insignificant, too. Like, no. I wasn't even really sure I was going to stay in there for the full hour. Like, it's not like I made some big life goal and created a vision board for my sobriety, okay? Like, it wasn't yeah. like that. <laughs> and um, and I'm really honest about that, that I think that some of these, like, life battles are won in these teeny tiny little moments. And for me, it was that. And then just consistently sticking with it. And yeah. the whole process of my life has been returning to this, like, who do I know myself to be? And what does it take to make sure that I'm doing things which align with that? Right. And that can be really different for every person. Insides match your outside. Yes. Feelings yes. match your choices. So for me, that that's walking in integrity, making sure yes. that who you are aligns with what you do, what you say, how you show up. And and I, I love that about you, that you made this conscious choice. Uh, talk to us, you know, you mentioned your your now wife, that she was kind of a catalyst. Talk to us a little bit about that process because one of the things that I, I often talk about is that like when you go through rehab or when you start going through this process to come back to health wellness um, you have to relearn how to be a person you know to your point like you weren't going to the farmers markets because you were too hungover like you almost forget how to kind of how to exist in the world in healthy and productive ways and a big part of this process is kind of relearning those skills and then picking up those those cognitive coping strategies, picking up those new skills along the way. So talk to us about what that felt like for you. You clearly yeah. had some support. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. I I did. I had great support. And um and I you know, I'll go back just a little bit. Like you said relearning and the truth is like what I realized is I never learned. Mm. I had to learn weird things and I don't know if this is the same for you or not, but like I had never been to a wedding sober. Yeah, I didn't really know how to go on a date sober, um, even though I had been in this relationship with this person. Like I sort of always knew we were going to go and I was going to start drinking like I because yeah. I did. I, I dealt with my discomfort with the world that way. Um, and I don't blame anybody for that, really. I just I I think it manifests as social anxiety, but ultimately I think it's just a general unease with the world. And so I had to learn how to be a person that moved in the world without any barrier or block or comfort. Without anything to soften. Like all of, yes. the sudden, all of the sudden, the outside world is thrown into stark relief and everything has sharp edges. Yes, it, it does. It feels like it hurts. Like I, I remember uh, my mom, actually, when I when I came out of rehab, I stayed with my parents for uh, you know a couple of months just to kind of get my legs under me and and all of that. And I remember I was just so sad and so angry and so raw 
all the time because I had just spent 60 days talking about my feelings to, I mean, it was, it was her, it was horrible, but you know, processing those feelings. But then my mom, I'm sta- I'm standing outside and I'm just mad and I've been sullen and angry for weeks. And my mom's like, Lauren, look at a sunset. You know, it'll make you feel better. Feel apart. And I was just like, you don't understand. Like, I look at that sunset. It does not look beautiful to me. It looks like more pain out in the world that I'm going to have to figure out before I can become a productive member of society. You know, everything has sharp edges. Like, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> because because up until this point, the world around you has been dulled, right? You don't yes. have to deal with it. You don't have to feel it. You don't even have to really move through it because you have this wall of dependency that is just separating you, right? Yep. Did yep. you experience that? I've always wondered if others experience <laughs> You know, I did. You're the first person that's ever used that language to describe it. And I'm just sitting here in silence thinking like how wonderful that description is, that everything has sharp edges um, yeah. and you're and you're constantly bump- bumping into it because the first year of my life being sober was terrible. Oh, it's awful. The world around you is like, oh my gosh, congratulations, 90 days. Wow, you must feel like a million bucks. And I will be honest, like there were part of me that parts of me that felt better. Yeah. Stopping the use of alcohol in particular improves your sleep, um, which is huge. It improves your cognition. It improves so many parts of your physical body, which then leads to a better life. And I definitely was feeling those benefits. There's no question. Sure. But my emotional body had no skills, and frankly, to your point, had been sort of numbed and deadened to how sharp the world, I don't know if the world is sharper, it just felt sharp because I, I had been so I dull. It feels sharper, like I said, like everything else felt really soft, and then all of a sudden there's like, pre for me, there's pre-rehab and then there's post-rehab. Like my life yeah. is divided into two epochs, you know, and yes. And, and, and here's, the, here's the thing, though, and I want to give a message of hope to anybody out there who might be listening, hearing this story, and identifying pieces with it. For me, when I came out on the other side, it's kind of like in The Wizard of Oz. You know how when mm. Dorothy goes to, like, the house lands and she walks out into the lollipop land or whatever it's called, and everything is, like, bright, and it seems so jarring because everything was black and white and then everything was bright and it seems so jarring. But then you get used to it and you yes. embrace it and you learn to handle it. And like there's there is the before and after. And at first, the, the after sucks. But then you become so grateful and so happy to be a part of it because not only is it beautiful in many ways, but you've earned it. You deserve That's right. it. And you have That's to tell right. yourself that. <laughs> Yeah, and it's your first time. I, I guess I won't speak for anybody else. It was my first time showing up as the real me. It's not that I didn't exist prior to my sobriety, but I, I wasn't present. I can just tell you that. I was never yeah. fully present. And so um, as many of those moments were rough, there were just as many that were a little bit like, well, this is actually kind of cool. And you're right. There is a sense of pride and and self-confidence that starts to develop right because it is you you are doing it you don't get to to numb it and also and again maybe this resonates for you or someone listening but like I also had that the absence of that like shame 
that was hanging out, like that part yeah. that I always just knew I wasn't doing the right thing. I don't know how to describe that. And I won't say that it was like moralistic or anything like that. I just, I just knew I'm better than this. Like, yeah, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm better than this. And I wouldn't have had words for that at that time. But I know that my body felt that. And I, and I lived with a great deal of, of shame. Yeah. Also not to say that getting sober meant that all shame and all problems disappeared. And then I suddenly had strength and skills to start tackling them. I'm, as I said, almost 13 years into my sobriety. I work every day to continue to improve myself and to learn new things and to do the work that I avoided doing. And some days that's um, that's more difficult than than others, but it's still ongoing. The difference is that I live now with the confidence that I can do that, even if I don't necessarily know how it's going to happen yet. Yeah. Well, I, I have to tell you, like, I mean, as you're talking, I, I knew that this was going to happen. I knew that we were going to have like some synergy just like based on our pre-show prep. But I'm I'm so I'm so glad that we get to have this conversation. But I'm also I'm just very grateful for you to you for being vulnerable and real about your experience. Um, I, I love that so much. I love that for you. I love that for for us. And I love that for the audience that's listening. Now, something else that I love, my friends, I, I don't know if you know this, but finding expert software developers can be really, really difficult. That's why I love Fullscale. When you visit Fullscale.io, you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Now, friends, we are here today. We're having, this feels like a very, like, very serious conversation to me, but we're talking to, to Meg Bohan, CEO and owner of Tri International Incorporated and Chem Blend of America LLC. Now, Meg, I feel like together you and I have kind of set the stage. And the fact is, like, you and I both have a shared experience of going through periods of time that were very dark, where we didn't recognize ourselves. We were making choices that didn't align with who we are. We talked about so we have set the stage. And now I want to I, I want to get hopeful because clearly yeah. there is hope to be found. We are both here. We are both alive and we are both killing it. So yes. let's talk about that a little bit. I, I want to talk to you about what you do and how you kind of came to your path. You know, you you have chosen to stop abusing drugs and alcohol. What next? Yeah. Yeah. No. So there's a lot to the story in, in all of this and we just don't have the time for it, but um, <laughs> we're going to fast forward to the part of my life. <laughs> and I, we're going to fast forward to the part of my life where I was a lawyer looking for a job in Seattle, Washington. Um, I had moved out of the Midwest and um, I really didn't know anybody uh, in Seattle and I was interviewing at some law firms. So I reached out to a friend that I went to law school with and I said, do you know anybody uh, in the Seattle area, and a law firm can tell me who these firms are and kind of what their culture is. And he says, no, but I know a guy you should meet. He knows a lot of people in town. He introduced me to this guy named Tony who owned a company called TRI, uh, TR International. I feel and, like that's going to be important later, listeners. Uh, yes. <laughs> and um, to make a really long story short, he offered me a job as his first general counsel. And um I always call us the odd couple because we were two polar opposite people. Uh, but I started as the company's lawyer. And after a couple of years, I became the company's president. And a couple of years after that, I became the company's CEO, maybe a year later. 
you're uh, very fancy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, it didn't feel that way. It felt pretty authentic to me. And it felt like just going and doing the grind. And I actually fell into a business that um, I just loved being a part of. I love the work of this business to give the users the really like 30 second, 30,000 foot view. Um, we supply uh, the raw materials to companies in the United States that make things. That is uh, chemical molecules used to make pharmaceuticals, used to make infant formula, used to make soft drinks, paints, coatings, uh, and even, you know, oil. So, so the, the building blocks of our product-driven capitalist society. You're like, That's right. We gotcha. We're, we're yes. down. We're yes. Down. I love that. <laughs> and we recently completed an acquisition where now we're even making some of those things. And so it's fun for someone like me. I'm a nerd at heart and I love seeing how things get made. I love talking and connecting with the people who make things. Uh, and I'm a huge champion for American enterprise. And so um, I love what I do. And I liked it from the moment I started here. Um, but the opportunity came for him to be leaving the business without any real succession plan. And I said, I don't know how this could happen. It, um, can I buy like a majority of this business from you now? You can work until you are ready to fully retire. And then I'll buy the rest of it from you later. And um, And so... He said yes, which was kind of remarkable. And fates aligned and financing aligned and all of that sort of thing aligned. And I owned 55% of it for less than a year before he was ready to leave, retire, which frankly, he rightly deserves. Anytime you start a business and and um, and put in over 20 years, it can, it can be your time. And it was his time. And um, I, I know he's enjoying himself now and he definitely deserves it. Um, but then I became a 100% owner of this business. And since the time that I did that in 2020, um, I've doubled the size of the business. We went from being about a 45 to $50 million a year revenue company to last year we did uh, over $118 million in revenue. Um, so it's good. You know, we're kicking ass and I owe that to the people I work with um, a thousand percent. But underneath all of that, there is still this very simple like return to um you call it integrity and and i like to add the word intuition to that if i could uh yeah just to this inner sitting and saying okay like what do i really see myself and what do i really see this enterprise being and what do i need to do to get us there and i i do i i manage my life i manage my work in these really small moments um and I think that recovery, among other things in my my story, but recovery really taught me how to do that. Like you can yeah. you can build a life one day at a time. Like you really, truly can. Yeah, I, I, I see this day like people. Well, one of the things that I say is like, I will not promise you 20 years, but I'll promise you today. And that's like it's that it's that kind of small incremental change, that shift, that evolution. And it's like entrepreneurs we don't tend to be super patient people nope. and so i think that like maybe that aspect of the journey might have been harder on us than most because like i'm like i want it now i want it to be yep. done tell me when i'm healed <laughs> you know? that's right and unfortunately that's just that's not how it works healing is a journey it is not really a destination i will die trying to heal and trying to evolve from where i started and, and it, I, well, and I guess, you know, to put a little macabre twist on it, like, I guess, you know, 
dying. That's the destination. You made it. That's it for all <laughs> of us. You, let's see where you ended up. How did you do? Uh, <laughs> you know, and like, and, the, and that's when we start to talk about things like legacy and like, what do we leave behind? And I think that I know that this is the case for me. And I imagine that it is probably the same for you. But again, like, I feel like because I lost my curiosity, I lost my integrity for so many years. And so now I have to live my life doubly intent, triply intent on not doing this anymore and figuring out how to live in a way that makes me feel good about myself. Because I think like in the later parts of an addiction journey, um, one of the things that you're trying to escape is yourself and the choices that you have already made and the things that you have already done that are not in alignment with your values and how you view yourself. And so I don't know. I just I like I am so impressed by your journey. I do want to just because you kind of buried the lead here. You didn't mention it. And I'm going to mention it. But I do know that you were named a regional entrepreneur of the year, which is kind of it's a pretty big deal. Y'all like EY. We love EY around here. But you have now started to get you're getting accolades for being who you are and doing what you do. And hopefully you've got your community buy in. It sounds like you've got your team buy in. How does that feel? Um, I don't know yet, to be honest. Like, I don't know how to answer that. I'm still learning how to receive um, accolades and how to receive um, positive feedback. It's so weird, right? (laughs) It's really interesting how when you kind of um, come up and you work really hard and you sort of hold your nose to the grindstone and you're just doing what it takes the the grind right because that part that part of it um you know the name of the podcast the hustle is very much real um and in in that when you're in that energy i think it's really easy to take negative feedback and do something with that yeah i i am a person that is to this day learning how to take the positive uh so i'm obviously super humbled and really touched frankly um And I'm also mindful that what this does, you you know, with that becomes like some sort of notoriety perhaps or some sort of um, exposure. And um, you said something earlier about, you know, you have to live in a way that makes you feel good about yourself, right? And I think um, it's interesting to me, like one thing I'm observing about my life is that the more people who know me are getting to know me, I have to remember that that plus all of the demands and all of the voices that are just on me as a business owner have a lot of stakeholders in my life, right? All of those voices get louder and they get amplified. Even the positive ones, though, can crowd out like my own inner voice. And I have to consistently bring myself back and say, am I doing what I think is right? Not what EY thinks is right, which, by the way, is just amazing and i've loved every person i've encountered there in that experience but it is it's it it is about turning myself whether it's ey or something else consistently inward and saying okay am i good with this is this am i still a farmer's market person like you know what i mean about doing what it is that i need to do for me am i showing congruity in my actions words deeds thoughts and intuition i'm gonna go ahead and add intuition now because i i dig that quite a bit but uh, no, I, I love that. Well, so I want to get very tactical 
with you here. One of the things that we like to do about that, we, we love telling founder stories as part of Startup Hustle, but the reason we tell startup or the startup stories is because we want to help our listeners avoid the mistakes that we have made. Uh, and so, so I want to talk to you very tactically. You know, maybe there is someone in our audience who is struggling with some form of addiction. Maybe there's someone in our audience who maybe they're not struggling with addiction, but maybe they're struggling with that internal, like how they talk to themselves internally. How do I make sure that my values are reflected not just in myself and my life, but also in my business? Like there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there that we we're coming from dark places or we're coming from muddy places that aren't crystal clear. Not everything is black and white. So to the entrepreneur out there who might be struggling mentally, what would you say to them? What would you what would you ask of them to get started on the trajectory or the journey back to yourself, back to wellness, back to all of those wonderful things that we actually need in order to successfully run companies? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's so many things, but I think that I am probably the world's biggest advocate for um, recovery of all kinds. So if that's your struggle, I think... Um, I don't know how it works, but I think programs like Alcoholics Anonymous have maintained anonymity for decades. And I don't I don't there's some magic in there. Um, Yeah. And and I would say that's a great place to start because no one has to know who you are. And um, and it's free. And you can just I I think if, if that's part of your struggle or you think it potentially could be, I think that's a great tactical first step. Yeah. If you are an entrepreneur, you don't have any you already have that thing inside of you that motivates you to go grab what you need. So you don't have any reason not to grab something free and super readily available. And in that same spirit, I think having a really good therapist um, is like something I can't say enough good things about. You know, in our world, in entrepreneurial world, everybody talks about their coach, their business coach. They want, we want to say that we're hustling and we've got somebody that's helping our performance and all that. And you know what? That's great. There is a place for that. But like, can we just talk about the fact that a number of us just need a really good shrink? We all need to go to therapy, people. Yes. Well, and I I do. I say you say that. And I want to be very, very clear about something because I've actually dealt with this in my own experience. When we say that you need a good therapist or I, 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 I'm speaking for myself, but when you say that you need a good therapist, We don't mean you need somebody who's just going to, you know, agree with everything that you say and validate your every feeling. Because the fact is, more often than not, we as human beings need to be made self-aware and we need to be held accountable to our choices and our behavior. And even again, like our thoughts and our intuition, all of those things that come together to create the soul of who you are, you have to be held accountable to it. And so I, when I started on like trying to find therapists, one of the things I actually had a couple that were like, I would tell them my story and they would be like, you're absolutely right. I'm like, no, I know that I'm not absolutely right. You need to help me parse through this. I need to figure out where I was wrong and how I can redirect so I won't be wrong again. (laughs) That's actually what is needed here. Accountability. You know, so so please, but I highly, highly recommend the the therapeutic journey if you can get the right practitioner behind you. And that's that practitioner is going to look different for everybody. But I imagine like they have to hold you accountable. They can't just like rubber stamp you and pass you through. That helps no one. It wastes your time and money. Don't do it. <laughs> and that's, I think, on us a little bit, too. 
Uh, yeah. I had to find a therapist that I could just be brutally honest with. Yeah. If you're sitting in a room with somebody you want to impress or somebody you want to be performative with or somebody, you know, that drags out those things in you where you want to manipulate the outcome or, or whatever, you got to get up and roll out. That's not them. That's you. Right. You need somebody where you can go in and just say, this is all my super dirty underwear here. Everybody. It was my bullshit. Keep That's right. And snarl it. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to be honest about this bullshit and then you're going to hold me accountable. And uh, and I think um, those people do exist in the world and probably we'd be refreshing to them, you know, yeah. if we're just honest, right? I mean, they don't honestly, work like, hard. One of the things that you learn on the therapy journey and on the rehab journey and on the recovery journey is like you learn like there is no embarrassment in sharing my story anymore. I'm just like, here, take it. Take my story. Yeah. <laughs> And it's I, like, I do that. I do it for a lot of reasons. Like, I, I don't owe anyone my story, but I share it freely. And when I give it as a gift, I have power over it. <laughs> I have agency over it. But then the, the big piece, like the piece that I really love is that I am hoping that, you know, as Meg and I are having this conversation, I am begging. I am hoping that the universe, that we're speaking to someone out there, that there is someone who is going through a hard time. I want to be the champion. I want to be the help. I want to be the support and the resource that I needed when I was going through my deepest, darkest periods. I act and I serve because I never want another human being to be as scared and angry and alone as I felt in pieces of my journey. And it sounds like you're you're nodding your head pretty, like your headphones yes. hop off. You're yes. nodding so hard. So I mean, talk to me a little bit about that. <laughs> No, I, I have zero to add to what you just said. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I like what you said, too. Like, I, I'm not, um, I don't move in the world with a sense of shame about where I've been and who I am anymore. Yeah. But. And it took a I, long time to get there, didn't it? 100%. And oh, I still have days where I wake up feeling. So <laughs> yes. And I still have days where I wake up feeling, gosh, should I be doing this? Should I be doing this? This is yeah. really exposed. And the answer is always yes. Because to your point, if one person who's been where I stood can hear what I have to say and go, okay, there's, this isn't the end for me. I'm not written off as whatever value I may or may not have to the world. Then it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. Yeah. Well, so, so I do want to ask you, how do you think your journey has influenced your leadership style? I'm really curious about this because I know it's influenced mine and I have many answers to that question, but I, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I've thought a lot about this. Number one, I demand and expect and give uh, authenticity and honesty. And I tell people who work with me all the time, I can do anything with the truth, but do not lie to me. Um, I think uh, you know this when you go through programs of recovery and things like that, everybody's just always telling the truth. And when they're not, it feels weird. You can feel it. Yeah. And so- I run my company like that. And that's not to say that I need to hold everybody's story for every area of their life. We're coworkers. You know, yeah. we're a community, but we're not a family. Yeah. And um, and there's a distinction there. I don't um, the other thing with my family members. I'm just saying. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and so um, and so that's that's priority one and just showing up and being authentically who I am and giving them a place where they always know exactly what I mean, exactly what I'm thinking, what the bar is what the standards are, and not being confusing about that. People right. want a boss that doesn't hide the ball and that doesn't move the yardstick around. And so I owe them that. That's my role as the steward of their talent. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that 
that I think it brings to it is that I do. I have very strong standards of um, of accountability and of candor. And I think, um, I don't mean candor necessarily in terms of integrity and truthfulness. I mean that just plain spoken ways of moving in business where your clients and your your partners know what's going on and, and what's happening. And I think I've assembled a team of people around me that that share those values and and that do that. Um, and they also get to be human beings, right? They, they, they get to live in right. their humanity, but we're all going to live moving towards the same aims. And we might not always agree, but we will be aligned. I, I love that. And I think that that is a beautiful note to head into the human question with. Perfect. <laughs> and so, so I'm going to ask you, like, we're we're going to close it down in a in a really dumb way. But the question that I, the human question that I have for you is, what is your favorite food that everybody else thinks looks gross? Oh, <laughs> man, do we have one? I well, or, or like maybe your favorite weird food that like everybody else is like, what are you doing? So I'll go. I'll give you time. I'm going to vamp a little. I'm going to tell you mine. Okay. And while you Wait. think about it. But so mine is this dish that I made up when I was going on, uh, I went on a low carb diet for a while and it's super easy. All it is, is it's a can of tuna drained, a couple of scoops of cottage cheese and a couple of scoops of salsa on top. And I call it Mexican lasagna and it looks so gross. <laughs> it's, it looks so disgusting, but it is cheap. It is filling. It is flavorful. It is like, if you don't like cottage cheese, I don't know what to do with y'all, but it, it, it sounds terrible. It's actually really good. And it's like a really, really easy weeknight dinner when I'm exhausted. I'm getting some protein. I'm getting some veggies, quote unquote, from the salsa. Like, I just feel good about eating it. And it's super uncomplicated. <laughs> but it looks disgusting. <laughs> Listen, that's I'm a pragmatist, too. I can tell you are by the way that you're like, this food will meet a, a need. A target. Yeah. It'll well, hit the KPIs. I, I love food. <laughs> I can be a foodie at times, but sometimes food is just fuel and I'm going to put some stuff in my mouth and then I'm going to continue about my day, you know? <laughs> well, it was similar vein. So I make a smoothie most mornings that I'm home and not traveling. And it's very similar to that where I end up throwing in like just plain yogurt. And I've been a kale fanatic since before kale was even cool. Um, and I'll throw seeds and like whatever is like sort of laying around. It ends up being sort of a hodgepodge of like the leftover yeah. ends of carrots that we didn't eat last night or whatever. And then my my wife and children look at me like I can't even believe you're drinking. Does your wife like here's your morning sludge? Have fun. <laughs> she just is like I don't get it. Like, but for me, like like you, like it serves a pragmatic purpose. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this isn't that bad. And I move on with my life. But I don't think not every everyone wants to be a five star you know, gourmet dinner. Like sometimes you're just looking for something cheap, easy, and fast so you can get on with it. Exactly. <laughs> so, so incidentally, I invite all of our listeners to give Mexican lasagna a try. I'd like to, I'd like to give popularizing it a shot because it tastes all right. It does its job and it's cheap. You uh, should maybe uh, trademark that, <laughs> trademark that first before you promote it. So you know what? I mean, honestly, like take it, world, have it. It's <laughs> it's the love offering, and it's ugly, but take it. It's you're welcome to have it. Uh. So I got to tell you, thank you so much, Meg, for taking the time to chat with us today. It has been it, whew, one of the more illuminating episodes that I have ever recorded. You made me think about uh, some things pretty deeply, and I hope that uh, you had fun with the experience. Yeah, likewise, Lauren. Thank you so much for the time. 
Absolutely. And, you know, we absolutely want to thank our episode sponsors, FullScale. If you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, FullScale can help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and then let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. Now, friends, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to make the appeal that I make all the time. And I'm going to ask you, go to startuphustle.xyz. That is our website. You can also find us on social, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok. I think I never go on TikTok. But all of the, all of the channels, you can find Startup Hustle. Just give us a quick Google because we want to hear from you, friends. We don't do this for our health. I love to, I'll talk to people all day long, but I don't typically turn on a microphone unless I'm doing it for founders. So we want to hear what founders do you want us to interview? What topics do you want us to cover? We absolutely want to hear from you. We do this for you. And so we want you to tell us what you need, how we can better serve. We are excited to do that. So please reach out. Uh, let us know how, can, how we can be of help, how we can be of service. And definitely keep on coming back. We love that you listen to us week after week. Uh, you are the only reason that we are as successful as we are. Um, and, and we're just very, very grateful. So keep on coming back and we will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.